You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. To help spread the gospel of Jesus, give us a five-star rating. That'll help bump us up in the podcast platforms. Additionally, make sure you share it with your friends. In this podcast, we're going to hear a Sunday morning message. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I first want to say, Pastor Robert is just fine. I figured maybe some of you are wondering, like, where's Pastor Robert? He's good. This has been playing for a while. He is fine. I can assure you of that. And uh, hopefully enjoying himself. Um, can we just, one more time for the young people that came out and led, can we just let them hear how much we appreciate them? Um, one thing you don't see, like Rebecca and Miranda and Riley back on drums, week after week after week, they prepare and they lead the youth in worship. So we used to do a thing called Youth Sunday. We haven't formally done that for a while, but I, I kept trying to come up with this really, really like adult sounding message and God kept leading me towards the youth. So we are going to have somewhat of a Youth Sunday. So if you're not in youth or you don't have a kid or a grandkid in youth, don't check out this message applies to all of our lives. These are principles that I picked up around their age and have, have seen be fruitful in my life up to this point and in lives of people much older than me. So do not check out. But I've got some very simple and practical points that hopefully you can apply. And then one of our youth are going to speak to us about a subject that we cannot fully comprehend. Okay? So it's going to be very simple and very practical but there's one subject that we can't fully comprehend. Are you guys good with that? Yeah. You kind of like, I don't, don't know what to do with that? Okay. Number one thing that I know, other than God loves us, is because he loves us, he has a plan for each of us. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. Make it personal. God has a plan for me, right? God has a plan for me. And I'm going to talk about some of that plan and some of the ways that I've seen God worked through our youth this summer. In my own life, I've seen it time and time again. I've seen God do way more than I ever thought that he could do through the lives of myself and other young people around me. Um, there's a verse that I love, Ephesians 3 and 20. It says, now to whom who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. Right? That sounds great because we all want to have big expectations, but we all want to see God do immeasurably more. Right? Mr. Spiker, when you're putting up hay and you think, oh, I'm going to probably get 50 round bells and you're done and you got 75, that's a pretty good day, right? And you're like, hey, I didn't even realize he knows how many round bells. He can probably just look at a field and tell, <laughs> doesn't he? Um, but when God takes over and he shows off, that's great. But there's one very practical way to make sure that that happens. Right. And that second point is that we rely on God. OK, so we know that God loves us. We know that God has a plan for us. But now we have to rely fully on him to see that plan come forward. And sometimes that's not super easy to do, given the circumstances. I see my neighbor Rick out there. He's you've had a body shop for how long, Rick? Forty five years. Man, I didn't even know you were that old. Forty five years. This man's had a body shot. Was it two years ago? The fire? Four years already? Man. But so 41 years into his business shows up one day and it's gone by fire, right? So do you think Rick's just immediately going, hey, God's going to do immeasurably more even though my building's on the ground? I believe that he did. You know why? Because 
I've seen you rely on God in your life time and time again. So young people, those people that are a little bit older than you that you've seen do that in hard times, learn from that, right? That's wisdom. That's reliance. Has he been faithful? Yes, he has been faithful. I don't even know where that came from, but God, thanks for that little moment. And thanks for my neighbor, Rick. Um, I'm going to take you on a bit of a journey with our youth over the past month, month and a half. We've been pretty busy. We've seen God do immeasurably more than we ever thought that he could do through our lives and through our ministry. There were ways that I prayed specifically that God would show up and he did. And I'm going to tell you about that. And that's great. When we see that, when we see young people being called and serving God and walking that out and leading people to Christ, that is awesome. And that's a high point. That's a great point. But just to be honest with you, the enemy has been all over, all over this year, right? We know what's going on with Pastor Robert. Many of you know what's going on with my wife and many other circumstances. It, it can be real easy to sit back and say, God's forgotten. All these promises he gave me in his word, he's forgotten. But that's not the voice of our father. That's the voice of the enemy trying to destroy and to tear down those immeasurably more of what God wants to do. Right? Because he loves you, Dave, he has a plan for your life. Right? And each and every day, we have to seek out that plan, Scotty. And it's not easy every day, is it? The enemy comes to our doorstep, doesn't he? And he's good at it. That's the thing. He knows our insecurities. He knows what we really want to be as humans, and he uses that against us. Number one thing I want to do here in this ministry is what I'm called to do right now is to pastor youth. Guess what? There was a time this past year I was upstairs in that building, and I was putting their faces on the backs of chairs for weeks and not seeing them. A couple weeks, I was like, that's cool. We got technology. Thank you, God, for allowing us to be able to reach people even though they're not here. But like week three, the tape's starting to fall off. Eddie's laughing like you were face down for like a week. Your little picture, it was sad. <laughs> I'm not sure if you were. I just saw you back there. But it was sad. And I'm like trying to get the masking tape to stick. And I'm like, God, I'm a youth pastor. Like, don't you remember? You called me to do this. Where are they at? Why can't we just have youth? And so, that, I mean, that was hard. I'll be honest, that was hard. I'm called to be a husband. I'm called to be a protector. I'm called to be a provider. Receiving the news and the things going on with Danielle this year, there were those moments. It's like, God, where are you at in this? Where are you at? So the enemy sees that in, and he, he's even louder. He's even more persistent. He says, yeah, you've seen God so many times over and over, but what if those were just flukes? What if that really wasn't God? What if that was just something you did or your church did? And so thank God I have his word. Right? Thank God I have his word. Can we, can we just thank God for that? Yeah. I have the unmovable, unchangeable word of God. Psalms 119.105 says that his word is like a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. 119.11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Anyone ever use your um, smartphone flashlight to find your way? Raise your hand if you've ever had to rely on a smartphone flashlight. 
there's multiple times I'm going out, like I feed the chickens at night and then close them up for the night. And I'm like stuffing my iPhone in my pocket and trying to get the flashlight to shine my way. And it's like falling out and it doesn't work. But without that, I would be completely in the dark. And that's where we're at without the word of God. And there's a movement across the whole landscape of all of us, but especially in young people to say that the word of God is useful, but it's not fully true. And that you got to kind of pull and pick what works for you and what doesn't. Can I be honest with you? Say that this is the word of God and I just like tear this page out, tear this page out, leave that page, tear this page out. All I've got is what I already thought, right? It's not useful. If I only believe and follow the things that I already agree with, it means nothing. And I don't say that to, to come down on you. I say that in my life this last year, if there were page one or page 27 that I didn't believe, I might not have made it through those hard times, right? So all of it is necessary and useful. Um, how do we know that the Bible tells us to find wisdom? I told you this message was going to be practical, kind of easy to understand. Proverbs 4 and 7 tells us this about how we find wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is this, what? The beginning of wisdom is this. That's pretty hard to understand. We're going to do it one more time. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. Get wisdom. And that's where we find wisdom. Remember that. You guys can use that on your kids. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get wisdom. That's where we find it. Rebecca, the young lady that you saw up here leading goodness of God, I believe she was in eighth grade this year. Is that correct? Mom says that's correct. She was in eighth grade this year. She is a wise young lady. Right. When I was that age, I'll be honest with you, there weren't people coming up to me saying, you're a wise young man. They just weren't. <laughs> Some of my teachers and principals in here, he's like, well, yeah, that's true. Um, but in, in my, like when I was in my 20s and, and I got wisdom through the word of God, when I moved to Tennessee, I sat down with the word of God and I got wisdom. There were people much older than me. You're so wise. Like, I was the same guy, except now I had wisdom, right? But people, when they see Rebecca, I think they see that wisdom in our life that only comes through the Word of God. People I went to school with that I haven't seen, they're not like, hey, man, you're so wise. They're like, remember that time you grew a bean in the chemistry sink and it flooded the library? <sighs> Sorry, Mr. Toth. I had to talk to him about that situation. Um, I'd like to publicly apologize to Mr. Toth for some of my decisions before wisdom, but it's so true. And so we're going to watch a video of Rebecca, hopefully, if it works, and some of the stuff that God was speaking to her at Passion Camp this year. Do we have that video? Um, I took a lot away from the last night, the last message that Louis Gugulio, um had for us, the I am statement. Specifically, because it's something that I try to that I've tried to explain to my friends before, but I never fully understood myself. And because I understood that God has always existed and been, like He has and He always will be, but I never understood what that meant for my life. So I've always struggled with my purpose and my reason and why. Like, why am I here? What am I doing? And I've never fully understood the fact that God has always been meaning that I, my life is already like set for me, 
you know, so I shouldn't have to worry about it as much considering the fact that he already knows and that he has already been and he is there and here at the same time. I struggled with, especially during the week, like why am I here in this place? Why has God brought me here? What is my purpose for being here? And where will I go from here? And how will this impact my life? And then I realized that that's not a question that I need to be asking myself so much because God has already, like there's already a set plan. Like he has a plan for my life. There is a reason. And even though I may not know what that reason is yet, it's already there. It's already set in place. And even though it's hard to wrap your head around, it is beyond, like in the Bible says, it's beyond our comprehension. And uh, it's been explained to me a million times over, and I've seen it done a million different ways. And it's just, it's something that I've understood, but not taken in, or not um, fully grasped what it meant for me, you know? I knew what it was, but I never knew how it affected me. And that's basically all I had to take away from that. So that's, that's it. That's the human condition versus I am. We can't fully grasp I am, right? The burning bush and Moses, you know, who, who are you? I am that I am. It just means I be. Always has been, always will be. In this culture, we like to think, well, God is this little magic genie that's only for me. Like, if I need a promotion, then that's what God's for. If I need a new home, that's what God's for. If I need new tires, that's what God's for. But try to think about that. Now, don't do too much because you can't fully grasp the mind of God, but try to think about that. He is without us. We get that backwards a lot. I am. I don't fully know, but I know how it works. God. No one's here. No one's been here for weeks. COVID shut everything down. I am. God, you don't understand. It doesn't look good. I am. God, I loved her. God, he's gone. I am. But my job, I am. I want you to receive that. Because the enemy says, you can't fully get that, but doesn't this look pretty? Doesn't this feel good? And we take that cheap imitation instead of seeking I am. And we can get ourselves into a lot of trouble. Let me ask you something. If I told you that the sun didn't exist because it was a cloudy day, would anyone believe that? No, thanks for being honest. If I told you the moon didn't exist because it was a new moon and it was completely dark, Would you believe that? No. Right? There are certain immovable things in the universe that we just see, and we know that they're there, and we have to know they're there to make it. Does anyone know what an instrument called a sextant, S-E-X-T-A-N-T, a a sextant is? Raise your hand. A couple of you know that. Sextant, that, that word is derived from a sixth. What's a sixth of 360? Who are my math people? 60 degrees. So it's like 60 degrees of a circle. You have to know where something is and you line it up with the horizon and you know how to find your way. There was a guy named Callahan 
who was lost at sea, I think for 76 days on a raft, and he built this sextant out of pencils and used the North Star to float to the Caribbean to safety because he knew where the North Star was and he used it to find his way. What's going on in culture now is saying, yes, God is the, the leading and guiding force of the universe, and we know that, but that's only if you believe that. So, how do we find our way? It's kind of up to us, according to culture right now, and that's a dangerous place to be. So, I saw this magazine the other day, a guy named Harry Styles. You might know him from um, his old band, One Direction, something like that. Now he's singing about watermelon and sugar. Um, but now he's on the cover of Vogue wearing a gown with headlines saying, anytime you're putting up berries in your life, you're limiting yourself. Harry Styles makes his own rules. Um, at the bottom it says, finding joy now, fashion and gifts for everyone. And this is what's leading culture. Now, the, I mean, if he wants to jump in a kilt on a trampoline and have fun doing that, I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm fine with that. But these headlines are what our young people are being told is how to find joy, right? You just find it yourself. You just make it up along the way. Whatever you like, that's what joy is. Now, I taught a class of small class, like eight kids, a couple different classes, guitar. They all had an instrument. If I would have gone in there and said, everyone, just play your favorite song, that would have been utter chaos, right? If you had a bunch of sixth graders and you said, do whatever you want for the next 30 minutes, Mr. Toth, would that work out very well? It doesn't work out very well. No, it doesn't work out at all. But yet we're saying this is the way to joy. We just all do what we want all the time. And it literally breaks down very quickly. Logically, it doesn't work. But it's what we're trying to do. I've seen that post multiple times. Do whatever the whatever makes you happy, and it doesn't work. Um, it doesn't work. I'm going to skip down to this next part. With Danielle, when she was facing that diagnosis, and as you know, this isn't her first time going through that. Seven years ago, or eight years ago now, she had kidney cancer and surgery for that, and she's looking for joy in that. If she only did what made her happy, I promise you, she wouldn't show up to have surgery. I promise you she wouldn't show up to have chemo. I promise you she wouldn't show up to be burnt by radiation. As her husband, if I said, does this make me happy to watch my wife go through this? The answer would be no. But because of the true love of God that, that lasts even in those circumstances, I was able to find joy and I was able to find peace in those situations. And I, and I see some of the older saints in the church agreeing and saying yes, because they've been through probably several of these situations where only God could have made that happen. Isaiah 54.10 says this, though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. It says my covenant and my peace will not be removed. So we can take what Pastor Robert taught us last week, taking the faith to the next level. We hear that and it sounds really good when everything's going well, but do we believe that when we have to put it into practice? That's next level. Do we believe that when we're faced 
was something we don't want to face. I truly believe my wife, Danielle, has accepted God's full love. So that's number three practical point. Accept love. Accept love. Take God at his word. Believe him for what he says. And live like you believe him. Because really our belief determines what we do. Right? Our belief determines what we do. I can say whatever I want about gravity. I can say I don't believe in it. But I'm not going to jump off this stage head first. Because I believe that gravity will take me to the ground. And I can be a fool and not believe it. But it's still going to happen. Our belief determines our action. So if you look back at the course of your life and you say, every time I've faced something hard like that, I've not believed God's promises, I would ask, I don't know your salvation, but I would ask you to look at, have you fully united with the Spirit of God? Not that we won't doubt, not that we won't question, not that we won't have fear, but when we have His Spirit, His Spirit doesn't let go. His Spirit does not let go. The Bible says it like this in Ezekiel. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So we've all seen the, um, or, or at least heard the word that we have a God-sized hole in our heart. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that. We have a God-sized hole in our heart. Maybe you heard the song, there's a hole in my heart that can only be filled by you. I think... Maybe that's talking about God. But we, we tend to think that there's only a small portion of our heart that we need God in. And we heard at Passion Camp a message just on that that says that's not true. That we have to have our whole heart to be focused on God and to be removed and replaced for us to be focused on him. Um, that's a problem in today's society. We've lost sight of the ability to see love and to know love, we've taken intimacy and thrown it away for efficiency. Now think about that. We've taken intimacy and lost sight of it for the sake of efficiency, right? Products used to be made. How many of you, your grandma, your grandpa, maybe your parents had a stove that lasted? It's still there. Like, they're like <laughs> Clarice is like, yeah, they last like 80 some years, right? They put some time, they put some effort, they put some blood, sweat, and tears in making that thing and it lasts, and you appreciate it. Literally, my grandpa's stove is still there. But now, we say, here's this shiny thing, stainless steel, it'll last for 10 years, then you throw it away and get another one. We get on Amazon, we buy something for $15, we're like, I know it's only going to last two weeks, but that's good, I'll just throw it away and get another one. The problem is, that comes into our relationships. You've heard easy come, easy go. Right now, maybe you older people don't know, like the whole online dating craze and all that. But if we want a boyfriend or a girlfriend, we just take a really appealing, attractive picture of ourselves and put a caption that lets everyone know we're single. And right there in our inbox, we've got a boyfriend or we've got a girlfriend. And it's like, you know, we've got to have like 17 a year or we're falling behind society. And if you don't know, that's how it works now with kids. The problem with that is there's no intimacy at all involved in that. It's literally just efficiency. It's just, I've got to have someone. I've got to have them now. I've got to know that I'm okay because someone else likes me and then do it all again. But we've seen that follow us through our adult relationships. And I'm not condemning anyone. I'm just telling you, this is the way the enemy works. This is the way he's breaking us down. 
We're giving God a small piece of our heart, giving the enemy the rest, whether we know it or not, and he's destroying us by taking away the intimacy that God has given us that comes through his grace. But it doesn't necessarily come at the snap of a finger. So Madison realized this, and she heard the same message. So let's, let's watch what Madison heard at Passion Camp this year. Um, something that I learned at Passion Camp really resonated with me. It was um, from Grant's message, which was our first night. He said, God didn't come to repair your heart. He came to replace it. And then um, it is one thing to see the light and another to walk in the promise. And I feel like with going through um, the hard times that I did in my freshman and sophomore year, I was looking for God more to repair my heart. And I still had like anger and resentment towards the people who caused the pain. So I felt like I really needed to listen to Grant's words and allow God to come and replace my heart so I can have joy instead of looking for the repairment. It's like she knew what I was going to say. Um, but when it was time to move, when it was time to come out of this shutdown time, and I think all of us are ready, and I know it's not over. It might be something that stays with us for a long time. But I started praying that God would give us an opportunity to somehow reach our community, to somehow rebuild a community that we had seemingly lost during this shutdown. And about the time I started praying for that, I started getting calls from people I didn't know. There's a man named John Olson who moved here from Northern Virginia to work with AmeriCorps as a volunteer coordinator. And he asked if we would come downtown and wash some windows. And I was like, hey, that's an answer to prayer. He was like, excuse me? <laughs> like, well, no one else wants to do this. I literally tried to do it and no one showed up. And I explained to him, I said, John, I said, literally, this is what I've been praying for, that we would have an opportunity to be God's love, rely on God, accept God's love, right? And so we went downtown Shinston, Trey, or whoever's running that. Here's some pictures of our youth washing some windows down there. And it, um, it didn't seem like, you know, that big of a deal. We were just going to go wash windows. Uh, the city said they would get us some food. Kim Southern actually found us, and she, like, gave a donation. She was like, my windows are dirty at Subway. If you'll come wash them, I'll feed you. <laughs> and then Christy at Gibby, she was like, I'll give you guys ice cream if you wash my windows. DeMarco's gave us drinks for a discount. Um, the city gave us pool passes to go swim. So when you got the kids together to show God's love, people understood that love, even though whether they were a believer in God or not, they could see that. They could feel that, and they could understand that, and they responded to that. So that was an awesome thing for us to do um, together, um, and that was just being love. So that's number four. Your last practical point is after you accept love, be love. Look for an opportunity to be love. That was the verse of the day, I think yesterday, on um, the Bible app, was when you have an opportunity to do good, to do it, right? So after you've accepted love, be love. Also, with the same group of students, um, a couple weeks ago, we made, <coughs> we made our way down to Daytona Beach, Florida, to Passion Camp. Um, some of you have heard this story. Some of you haven't. Every year, there's a couple spots, and I don't know who's going to fill those spots. And so I start praying, God, you know 
the end of this story before it was ever written. Send me those students that you want to go, God. Allow me to accept your love. Allow me to show them your love this, throughout this week. And I pray something said or spoken would impact their hearts. So I had three students that kind of filled out the roster as we went down. And through the week, as they learned the word of God, we have some pictures from Passion Camp as well. As they learned the word of God, um, there they are. They got their Bibles out and their notepads out. Um, they you know, awesome, had an awesome worship band. One at a time, those students, they started asking questions. One at a time, those students made decisions to follow Christ, right? So to me, that was an answer to prayer, that we would have community, that we would have a word that would not go out void because we know that, because the Bible says it, and it's true. Each one of these students had not had an easy year. From the loss of, of close loved ones, parents, um, marriages they've seen come unglued. But God, in his plan, saw fit through the fullness of time. In Daytona Beach, Florida, a bunch of kids from Harrison County or Marion County, wherever they're from, that he would lift them up and show them his love. I don't take that lightly. I don't think, I know that doesn't happen by chance, right? If you just said, hey, we have a youth group and it'll be fine, you know, come, we'll eat some cookies. It's not going to happen. But if every day you ask God to lead, guide, and direct, and rely on him for his purpose and his promise, you will see these types of things happen. These God type of things happen. So I'm sharing that with older people because there's no age where we stop being useful for God. We see that time and time again in scripture, right? I can make a bunch of jokes about childbearing, but I'm not going to do that. But we've seen that in scripture where these old people do things they thought they could never do because God gave them the strength and the power to do that. I believe we have a lot of untapped potential in this church because we haven't fully relied on God. And I'm saying that for myself. I'm not saying that at you. I'm saying that with you. I miss opportunities. I miss moments. But Rebecca, she really ministered to me. I don't think you even knew that you did, but you walked up to me dead tired. I mean, we had passion camp right into music camp, right into Will Graham celebration. And she's like, kind of got her eyes open. And she's like, I just feel like we only go through this once. And God has an opportunity. And I think he's going to use it. So I don't want to miss it. And that's why I'm here. Yeah. From an eighth grader from an eighth grader. So the next time you're given an opportunity, I say that to say this, pray and ask God. Don't, don't listen to the flesh first. Pray and ask God. I'm not saying he wants you to do everything and wear yourself out. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying I truly believe that God wants to do immeasurably more than we could ever think, ask, or imagine according to his word. Um, one statement that stuck out to me in each one of these three students' lives with the two words, but, B-U-T, God, G-O-D. If you're still taking notes, I want you to write down, but God. Anytime we see that in scripture, God is about to do something big. In this next, I'm almost done. This next passage of scripture in Ephesians, to me, summarizes this whole thing about God and his purpose and how he wants to work in us and through us. 
Ephesians 2 says this, but God, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved, and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So think about that already. It says God has this purpose and this plan for us in the heavenly realms that he would be seen and he would be shown in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Think about that. God is in control of the fullness of time of every moment. So I'm looking at the Sanoskis. God had, I believe, that he had a plan for your guys' home to minister to people in this church from before you were even on this earth. I believe that. Think about that. God has these good works lined out for us. And it's not so that we do it. And so we can, that's not what this message is. Like, look what all these young people have done and how good they are, how good of a leader I am. That's not what this is. This is look how God can cut through the darkness that's going on every day in this world and bring light. No matter what society says, no matter what's going on in the political realm, no matter what war is going on, God is still God and he's still good and he still rules and he still reigns and he still is in control. Does anyone believe that? Because I believe that. I don't just preach that. I believe that. I believe that. You know, and we got to see that this last week. Raise your hand if you were involved in any way. Usher, prayer team, counselor, uh, came to a meeting, came to one of the nights. Raise your hand if in any way you were involved with the celebration at Fairmont State last week. A lot of you guys were. I saw you guys, and it was, it was incredible. It was, it was a blessing to me, and I want to I tell you why it was a blessing to me. First, I want to show you some of our counselors. Uh, Pastor Robert told you about our superhero, Counselor Danielle, but these were some other superheroes. That's Kat and Addie, Lexi, these are on timers, so it's not like he's just like hanging out. That's Riley. I think we have one more student counselor. And that's Tori. And when I say counselor, they didn't just wear these badges. I know for a fact on one day or on one night, each one of them counseled and walked someone through the plan of salvation because I was a counseling supervisor and I got to send them out. And I, and I truly believe that God had ordained you guys to do that. And something you guys saw, something that you witnessed through that weekend will serve you through life, but it'll also be for someone else. Through everything I've seen in my life, that's how it's worked. There's something for you to learn, but not to keep it for yourself, to share it with someone else. Right? So that celebration, as great as it was, some of you think, well, it was, you know, just a weekend thing. It was cool. We worked on it for two years as a team. Kim DeVault, John Spiker, Christy Bernard, Carrie Hill, um, Pastor Robert, all the pastors, all the staff. If I didn't say your name, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but 
worked on that for two years. But five years ago, and some of you heard this story, some of you haven't, Will called to tell me some crazy story out west, that something he got into in Utah at the old building. This building wasn't even here yet. And Pastor Robert was like, who are you talking to? I was like, oh, it's Will. I was like, hold on, it's my senior pastor. He said, let me talk to your pastor real quick. Will, who didn't know Pastor Robert from anyone, wanted to thank him for the work that he did in the local church because Will was a local pastor for 12 years. And so when that was over, you, you that know Pastor Robert, he's like, that got him excited. He's like, let's have Will. Like, we just like book him and he comes. I was like, well, it's a little more complex than that. You have to do all these things. And being 100% honest with you, I didn't know if BGEA would come to North Central West Virginia. I didn't know. It's not like I had this big vision. So I went and I prayed. I said, God, if this is what you would want to have in North Central West Virginia, put feet to our prayers and, and walk this out and let's see this happen. It wasn't easy. It got canceled. It got moved. It got bumped back and all that. But I want to share with you guys some things that I, that I think are pretty amazing. So attendance in the stadium, we saw 4,703 in the stadium. Uh, there were 11,076 online. And they don't take these numbers lightly. I mean, like someone is counting section A, section B. Online's easier to track. So that's 15,779 people that had eyes on it over the weekend. There were um, 219 decisions at the celebration, 202 online. And then in the Christian Life and Witness courses, so the celebration wasn't the whole thing. There were Christian Life and Witness courses training people how to counsel people and how to walk people through the plan of salvation. Through that alone, in our local churches, there were 331 people that made decisions. So a total of 752 people made decisions for Christ through this weekend event. There were 45 separate countries represented on six different continents. Um, Follow-up has begun. Um, and, and I've seen some awesome things with that. I mean, God was all over it. Danielle, I was sending her out as a counselor as well, and she went to, to pray with these two young girls. They ended up being Mary Ellen's granddaughters who was on the celebration team. I had been praying for these girls from Indiana for a year and a half that they would that God would reach him and somehow touch him. She had been praying for Danielle that God would reach her and somehow touch her. And then here she is counseling these girls from Indiana to come to know Christ. So that, there's lots of stories like that. The reason I point out those details is God has specific plans for each of you. If you're in a seat and you feel like God has forgotten you, or God doesn't love you, or God can't use you, that's a lie from the enemy. Every single one of you. God created you. He breathed breath in your lungs for a purpose. And he loves you. He wants to strengthen you. He wants you to accept his love. And he wants you to be his love for other people. And we as a staff want to walk beside you in that. In every way that we can to give you those opportunities. When we do these things, when you guys went out to the park and redid the whole amphitheater and did all that stuff, it wasn't so that we could say, man, isn't Jewel City great? It's so we could say, God gave us the ability to do that. And we want to do that over and over and show how big God is, right? And show his love. So to wrap up, I'm not, I'm not going to wrap up. I'm going to let Riley wrap this thing up and bring some truth that he learned from Passion Camp.
turn your attention to the screens. Uh, one thing that stuck out to me uh, during Passion Camp last week was Louis Giglio was talking in, uh, he was talking about God and how he, he transcends through time and space. So he, he made a representation and he had a rope and it went far this way and far this way and it just went um, for infinity. And um, then he had a small piece in the middle that was red and that was now. That was just life, not your life, not yesterday, not to, just not today. That was just from the moment that God created the earth. And um, I thought it was cool because um, it went forever and that's God existed and the on this side of the rope and he exists on this side of the rope and he's existing now. And um, he said God has no beginning because God is and that just really stuck out to me and he's just He's always been, he is, and he always will be. That really ministers to me as a youth pastor when they come back and it's been a week and I'm like, all right, anyone have anything to share from Passion Camp? And they're all like, I'm so tired. But yet they can still draw this stuff. So here it is. This is the, uh, and you've heard this. I've even used this illustration before. But this is a great way to think about the thing that's so hard to think about, about eternity. And even this little red section, this isn't even the representation of our whole life. This is all life on this planet as we know it. We're just a small section of this. But how often we make our decisions based on this little section, Right? We lose focus or sight of eternity, right? The, the decision that, that all of us have the opportunity to make to accept God's love on this earth is a decision that will impact us for eternity. As, as Carrie begins to play, I want to give you guys a chance to think about that. To ask yourself that question, have I truly united my spirit with the spirit of God so that I will be led in everything that I do? Have I accepted the work that's been done on the cross for me so that I might have life and have it to the full? Am I living for this? Or have I made preparations for this? God, your word says we can respond when we're called by your spirit. God, I pray if there's one in this room, God, who needs to respond to your love, who needs to respond to your spirit, God, that they would be faithful to do that, God. With everyone's heads down and your eyes closed, no one looking around, with just me. Is there anyone here that says, Pastor Micah, I know I have not fully accepted the Spirit of God and allowed Him to replace my heart. And I so desperately need to do that. I need His love in my heart. I need His salvation. 
I need to be discipled. If that's you, would you just raise your hand with no one else looking around? Say, Pastor Micah, I want God to give me a new heart and a new soul. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Is there anyone here that says, I believe that God has a bigger purpose for my life. I believe that maybe I've missed some of those big moments that could impact my life, my family, and all of those around me. And I want to be more faithful to walk that out of my life. I want to be more sensitive to God's will and his calling in my life. If that's you, would you raise your hand so that I can remember you and pray for you? Awesome. I see hands all over the room, all over the room. Let's pray right now. God, each hand raised, God, represents a heart, represents a family, represents a neighborhood, represents a community, represents a future. God, I know that you will not let them down. God, I pray that they would be faithful. God, I pray that this church would be faithful in strengthening them to do that, God, to make an impact for your will and for your kingdom. God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your purpose. I thank you for your vision. God, it's only in you that we have life. God, we love you because you first loved us. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. 